Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Auburn Undercover and Inside the Auburn Tigers podcast. This is Keith Niebuhr with 24-7 Sports, and we're here today to break down one of the great rivalries in all of college football. That's the Deep South's oldest rivalry, Auburn and Georgia. They play Saturday night at Sanford Stadium in Athens, Georgia. And, and guys, before we get into your analysis of the game, and, and the guys, by the way, being Jason Caldwell and Mark Murphy of Inside the Auburn Tigers, before we break down uh, the battles that we're going to see on Saturday. I wanted to get y'all's take on the your favorite games in this unbelievable rivalry. And Mark, we'll start with you. What what one game? If you, I know it's hard to pick just one, but is there one that really comes to mind that you're just like, boy, that was just so awesome? You know, I'll go back to one when I was a college student at Auburn. Uh, I was over in Athens for the. Uh, it was called the game of the century in the SEC at that time. Both teams were undefeated. It was late in the season. Pat Sullivan was uh, one of the candidates for the Heisman Trophy. He went over to Athens, had a great game. Vince Dooley said it was a case of uh, Superman having a super game and Georgia couldn't deal with it. And what a great buildup before that game. I mean, it was about as hyped as any Auburn football game in history. Um, Terry Beasley had a, a really outstanding performance for the Tigers. And, you know, the night before the game, uh, Auburn was actually staying at a hotel near campus and Georgia students uh, caused racket all night trying to keep Auburn players from sleeping. And they did a good job. A lot of the Auburn players didn't sleep at all, but they showed up at Sanford Stadium, very irritated, ready to kick butt. And they played a, a great game. And uh, uh, that was before the stadium was expanded. There were people watching the game from on the top of academic buildings. They were up on the old railroad trestle. And uh, it was about the most expensive ticket in that area you can imagine. It sounds like a fun time. And Mark, were those kids, were they wearing togas? Do we have any update on what the college kids, <laughs> they weren't they streaking, were, were they? I mean, I know that was pretty big back then. Well, uh, somebody hired a band to oh, play God. very loud across the street from the hotel. <laughs> and uh, that worked. And they were, students ran up and down the halls, knocking on the doors where the Auburn players were trying to wake them up. Jason, what's your favorite when you've been covering Auburn for a couple of decades here? What stands out? Yeah, it, it had to be 1999 for me when I think about it. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of them when I was, you know, in the 80s, when I was growing up, Auburn had a lot of success. And, and an 83 game was, was, was a big one, um, you know, 85 with Bo. But, but for me, the 1999 game, because it was maybe so unexpected the way it happened, that was an Auburn team that, you know, Ben Laird had kind of developed, <clears throat> developed a quarterback and, had played some pretty good football, but you know, that day him and Ronnie Daniels connected and, and Ronnie Daniels probably, I mean, Curtis Kuykendall has the, the single game rushing record. People remember Trey Mason from the SEC championship game and his huge game. But that day, what Ronnie Daniels did that day may have been the single most impressive offensive game that I can remember for an Auburn player. He was just dominant. Georgia kept pressing, kept playing man defense. And they said, okay, we'll keep throwing it up. And they did over and over again. And so that 99 game really sticks out for me. I mean, you know, it's just Coverville, okay. Coverville hadn't called off the dogs in the second half. Uh, Ronnie Daniels might've had 400 receiving yards in that game because they could not cover him. You know, you, I, yeah, that's an interesting point, Mark. I, I'm of the belief in a rivalry game, you should never call off the dogs because some point it's going to come back on you and you can't assume that they're going to be as nice to you as you were to them. But, you know, it says a lot that you guys picked those two games. It says a lot about this incredible rivalry. 
that those were the two you picked in some of the games that didn't make it include the, the prayer at Jordan Hare in 2013, uh, the four overtime game. I mean, that, it's just been one incredible game after the other in this series, which I've always maintained is probably, and again, I'm an outsider coming to cover Auburn. Uh, and I really started learning about this game. It's probably the most underrated of all rivalries, too. It's, I mean, outside of the Auburn-Georgia bubble, it doesn't probably get as much uh, national attention as it deserves. Guys, this is going to be a unique one, though. Under 20,000 or around 20,000 fans at, uh, at Sanford Stadium on Saturday. Uh, not the hoopla, not the, the walks, the tiger walk, the, the dog. None of that stuff that, like, we're used to seeing. But how much does it help Auburn – to be able to go over there, they've lost six straight, Mark, and not have to deal with the, that raucous crowd that, uh, that they've had to deal with in the recent years. I don't know that I have much impact on defense, Keith, but offensively, it's going to be a lot easier to uh, communicate uh, pre-snap. And uh, a couple times in critical situations over in Athens and Auburn's last three or four trips over there, they had problems with that. And, you know, the stadium – the way it's enclosed now can get really loud. Georgia fans get up for this Auburn game in particular. Uh, so I think it's definitely a plus for Auburn. All right, guys. And that's a great segue, Mark, into the, the, the battle between Auburn's offense and Georgia's defense. You know, obviously Auburn's got some great pieces back from last year. Quarterback Bo Nix, uh, just unbelievable receiver Seth Williams, Anthony Schwartz. Uh, a good stable of backs, a rebuilt offensive line, though. Uh, and they're going up against the Georgia defense that, that if not, if it isn't the best in the SEC, it's one of the best couple in the SEC. Gosh, it may even be the best in the country. So, so Jason, I'm going to ask you the, just the biggest couple of keys for Auburn to have any success moving the ball this weekend. Yeah, I think, I think the first thing is, is what we saw some of last Saturday, and I think building on that. But, you know, I thought Chad Morris did a good job of throwing the ball on first down and, and kind of getting into those plays. That's when Bo Nix has been his best. That's when most quarterbacks are at their best, is on first down um, and stretching the field. That's where big plays come. And, and so I think Auburn needs to continue to do that. I think you have to attack. You can't, you can't play passive football against this Georgia defense and expect to have a lot of success. So I think that's where it starts for me. And um, adjustments, um, the lack of adjustments Auburn's made, especially in Athens um, for the past five or six trips has been the difference probably in a couple of wins. Um, got to be able to adjust to what George is doing to you and have an answer. And I think this offense has more possibilities for answers than any offense we've seen in a while because of the passing game. So to me, that's where it starts. Mark, what do you think? You know, it's been a feast and famine type of deal in recent years. You know, Auburn uh, had some of the ugliest offensive performances I've ever seen from an Auburn team in games over in Athens, particularly the second half. And there's some games they could have easily won with just a little bit more confidence on offense. And then they had, you know, a couple of these games against Georgia where they just absolutely blew them out. For example, 2017 at Jordan-Hare Stadium, 40 to 17. And it was just like um, a dominant performance in all phases of the game. So, uh, you know, the big thing to me is like, uh, for years, Auburn played exceptionally well in Athens. And Auburn still leads the series in Athens by pretty considerable margin, but it used to be a huge lead. But, uh, you know, Auburn hasn't won over there since 2005. And that was a wild game itself. Talk about inter interesting games. Uh, Auburn ended up winning that game 31-30 uh, with uh, Brandon Cox hitting that pass late in the game to put Auburn over the top. So uh, 
I mean, Auburn is so overdue to play well in Athens, but it's going to be uh, challenging because I think this is potentially one of Georgia's better defensive teams. And that's saying a lot because they've had a lot of good defenses. Mark, what cannot happen for Auburn to win? I mean, what, what do they absolutely, when they have the ball, when Auburn has the ball, what absolutely do they have to avoid happening? They've got to not sit there and try to pound Georgia with the running game, uh, you know, early and often. And uh, Georgia's just really good on the front seven. And uh, I think Georgia, yeah, they have some really good defensive backs and some talented guys. and. Uh, certainly one of the better safeties in the SEC. But I think, you know, they can be taken with some deep balls. And if Auburn doesn't challenge them deep, that's going to be very uh, hard to understand to me. And to me, the best way to get the running game going against a team like Georgia that's so talented is get them very concerned about defending the pass. And that will open up running lanes. Jason, we didn't see much – in the way of passing to the tight ends and running backs in week one. Are we going to see that this weekend? Uh, you know, people have asked about, you know, if, if Chad Morris held anything back. And I don't know that it's so much holding things back, but I think you add pieces to an offense every week. I think Georgia's offense probably do the same thing. That's what happens when you have a new coordinator early in the season. But I think you add some of those pieces to it. And so for Albany, you look and, you know, you didn't have Brandon Frazier addressed last week, which probably hurt him some in terms of maybe throwing to the tight end. But – I do think the back side of the backfield can be an extension of the running game. Um, not necessarily, you know, it's not going to count in the run game, but I think throwing the ball to those backs, making those linebackers, which are really good, they can run. But, it, you know, if you, if you ask me, maybe an advantage could be getting those guys outside because it opens up the middle of the field. So I would expect to have that more of the Auburn offense this week. You know, I asked a couple of our coworkers, Nathan King and Philip Marshall, the same question. Now I'm going to put it to you guys. You know, no matter who Georgia trots out there at quarterback, they are not going to have big game experience. I mean, even if it's JT Daniels, and we don't think it's going to be JT Daniels, but even if it was, he's never played in a game one of this magnitude, two against the defense that Auburn has. But Bo Nix does have big game experience. Mark, how much, uh, how significant is that in this game? I think it's a big deal. And, uh, you know, I thought Nix played well the first game, um, made a couple of really exceptional throws and uh, he just didn't do anything that was going to get his team beat and uh, to me they went in with a game plan of uh, worry about executing and uh, maybe not throw the whole playbook at Kentucky but they wanted to what they did they wanted to be able to do well and I thought the execution was really crisp for a first game and uh, um, uh, one thing I thought that helped Nick's was uh I thought the offensive line did a fairly good job of protecting him. And to me, one of the big stories of game one offensively for Auburn was I thought the offensive line was a lot better in the fourth quarter than it was in the first quarter, which is um, encouraging, I would think, to Jack Bicknell Jr. Uh, because I think there's no reason this group can't continue to get better. And if they have a good season, I think uh, Bo Nix is going to have a good season. Mark, what do you think about that? A big edge for Auburn there? I don't know about a big edge, but uh, uh, if I was, I think Auburn's quarterback play is going to be better on Saturday than Georgia's. Jason, what what about you? Yeah, I think I think you know, you know what Mark said. I think is very key. I think uh, you know Bo has been there. He's played in some some big time games, and you know a lot of those 
especially since that Florida game. Um, you know, his last last interception was the last play, really the last pass of the first half at LSU. He's done a good job of protecting the football. That's 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 job number one on Saturday. Um, don't give Georgia the short field and make those quarterbacks, whoever it is on the other side, drive Georgia down the field. We know that's what Auburn's defense wants to, to make you do is to limit big plays. And so I think if you're Auburn, you protect the football um, and then take those shots down the field. But, yeah, I, I like Bo going into this one. He – Hey, he understands the rivalry. He wasn't he wasn't born in Georgia, isn't a Georgia kid, but he absolutely knows what the Auburn-Georgia rivalry means. Yeah, I actually don't think it, it's going to be a huge deal if he throws an interception or two, as long as they're downfield, as long as they're he's putting that defense on its heels. But, guys, if there's an edge for the Auburn offense, position battles, where would it be? What do you think, Jason? Yeah, I, I think you'd have to go with, you know, Georgia's got a good, good secondary and, and, you know, their numbers were really good. But if you're going to attack Georgia, it has to be in the secondary. So I look at, at Auburn's wide receiver group because of the depth there. I thought the addition of Xavier Capers last week doing some things was, was pretty big for this team. You know, he was in the middle of the field, made a good catch and run. Obviously, Seth Williams. And to me, the thing that is getting overlooked about Auburn's wide receiver group right now is, People know Seth Williams. They know he's going to be a 50-50 guy. I thought the biggest thing Saturday for him was separation. Been wondering about can he create some separate? He was creating separation, and if he's able to do that, then it means they got to put a second guy somewhere around him. That's Anthony Swartz, Eli Stowe territory. Now those are the guys to me that have the opportunity for big plays. So I think if I'm going for an advantage for Auburn's offense, it's going to be that wide receiver group. What do you think, Mark? Same thing, or you got a different you know, a guy to watch on Saturday to me is Eli Stowe. Because if Georgia tries, you know, to double um, South Williams, I mean, that means Eli Stowe's going to get single coverage. And, uh, boy, he looks like his old self again. And that out and up in the fourth quarter for the touchdown, well, that's a tough play to defend. And, uh, um, you know, also throw the ball deep to Anthony Schwartz because Georgia's got some speed, but they don't have anybody with his speed in the secondary. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because I think this is a potential coming out game for a guy like Anthony Schwartz, obviously, maybe one of the running backs, maybe Brandon Frazier, but also Chad Morris. This is a guy that's sort of licking his chops. He's uh, kind of wounded a little bit, I think, after the last couple of years at Arkansas, and he would like nothing better than to let the world know that, hey, I still know how to run a productive offense. But, guys, we'll be right back. we got to do a quick commercial break, and when we return, we're going to talk about the Auburn defense versus the Georgia offense. All right, we're back. Keith Niebuhr with Auburn Undercover, joined by Jason Caldwell and Mark Murphy of Inside the Auburn Tigers. We're all under the same umbrella, same family, 24-7 sports. Guys, Auburn's defense versus Georgia's offense. Let's start with Georgia's offense. This is not the same Georgia offense uh, we're used to seeing. They don't have the, the offensive linemen. Two guys went to the first round. Another guy transferred. They did not look great up front in week one against Arkansas. Just an opener. Teams often struggle there. But uh, – you know, they're not the same offense. And, and uh, so how are they going to move the ball against what's been a really good Auburn defense? And for, you know, for me, I, I look at this offensive line and the way it's built. You know, you know Keith, we've seen, we've seen Jamari Sawyer for a long time. He was a guy that people thought was going to be a center. He's actually playing left tackle for this offensive line. This is not a classic pass-protecting offensive line. It's made up of a bunch of run blockers. They didn't, they didn't run the ball very well last week. I would, I would suspect that Georgia's going to come in and try to establish a run Saturday. I, I think when you look at this group, Zamir White, they got a bunch of running backs, James Cook, 
uh, Kenny McIntosh, they got some talent in the run game. Um, and I know it's a different offense, different offensive system, but I got to think they got to come in and, 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 and have probably heard all week that you got to be able to run the football, got to be able to run the football. I would guess that they're going to try to establish a run early to take some of the pressure off that quarterback position. Mark, how do you like that matchup of, of Georgia's offensive line versus the rebuilt, you know, rebuilt Georgia line, somewhat rebuilt Auburn D line? What do you, what do you think about Auburn, Auburn's uh, situation there relative to Georgia's O line? You know, one thing I did the other night, I sat down and watched the replay of the Georgia-Arkansas game. And the, probably the most surprising thing to me was that Arkansas's defensive front had a really good game against Georgia's offensive line. And uh, Georgia's got a big athletic offensive line, and uh, they've got some highly recruited guys up there, but they just didn't look all that good in game one. So one thing that I noticed about the Auburn defensive front they gain defensive front. They gain confidence in game one. And uh, Georgia, um, Georgia's going to try to run the ball. But you know, Kentucky was the SEC leading rushing team last year, and Kentucky only had 25 yards rushing on Auburn in the uh, second half after having a really good first quarter in that area. So uh, I don't think the defensive line was the big problem early in the game for Auburn on defending the run. I think some of the linebackers were misfit a little bit. And, Auburn made some adjustments at halftime. The defensive line kept on trucking out there, even without Derek Hall in the second half after the questionable targeting call. I thought the, uh, the front four on defense played solid, and I was very surprised at how well Daquan Newkirk played. Uh, I never seen him play like that, and uh, you know he's been dealing with injuries. But if he goes out and has a big game on Saturday night, that's going to really help Auburn. Obviously, a lot of confidence at Auburn with the two inside guys, with two starting inside guys, or who we think are going to be the starters, Newkirk and, uh, and Truesdale, Tyrone Truesdale. And then obviously, you got Colby Wooden coming in as well. But what about the outside guys? You know, Derek Hall's still a young guy, true sophomore. Uh, he's made some good plays here and there, and, and he'll be back this weekend. And then there's Big Cat Bryant, who has gotten a lot of pub really the last few years, but still kind of waiting for him to have that really big, monster, memorable game. Are, are they up to the task, and how important, Jason, is it for those two guys to put some pressure on Georgia's quarterback, who we pro assume is probably going to be Stetson Bennett? Yeah, and, you know, throw, throw T.D. Moultrie in there as well. Yes, you know, yeah. That, that I mean, it's time, right, for these yeah, guys yeah, to – you know. For somebody. You know, one of those three, uh, and that's the three that you would figure in, 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 in that pass rush role, one of those three has to step up and start delivering in that role. Um, yeah. And if Auburn is able to do, you know, what we talk about and, and – you know, make Georgia into a second and third long situation team, then you got to be able to get after the quarterback. Arkansas did a good job of that on, on Saturday. They were able to get pressure on the Georgia quarterbacks. And I would guess that, you know, you know, if you're Auburn, you got to put them in those situations and take those shots. And what you want to avoid, what Auburn's been able to avoid the last couple of years, is having to, to blitz Owen Popo or blitz the safeties and leave yourself in, in you, know, you, know, you know, no safety help over the top coverage all the time. Um, so I think early on, if you get to see if Big Cat, some of those guys, and like I said, you know, Jamari Sawyer, those guys are more interior guys for the most part. Uh, we'll see if Auburn can make them pay on the, on the edge. But, yeah, it's time for one of those guys to step up. And Look, everybody knows about George Pickens. I mean, he's a sensational receiver. The three of us have been covering the guy since he was a sophomore in high school. But beyond him, 
Georgia hasn't uh, – those other guys really haven't done a whole lot. Let's just be honest. In fact, Pro Football Focus, I believe, graded the Georgia receivers last week, op, uh, the guys that weren't named George Pickens, and they didn't grade out very well. Is that an advantage for the Auburn secondary? Jason, I'll start with you. Yeah, I think you look at it, Keith. The other guy that's really made any plays at all has been Kyrus Jackson. He hasn't made a ton, yeah. but he's been there. Um, but I think you look in Auburn – I thought Auburn's secondary group played really well last week, and obviously it's a – different type of offense. Kentucky's not a really sophisticated passing attack. Um, but I think you look in, in Georgia, if you would you would kind of build on what they did last week with Stetson Bennett, it was definitely more underneath safe passes. That's where Auburn thrives is, is getting guys on the ground and tackling in those situations. I think if, if, if Auburn can, can force them into that short game, get guys on the ground, and I, I think it should be an advantage for Auburn in that, in that category. Obviously, George Pickens, Really talented guy. Yeah. He's a guy that they're yeah. going to try to give some opportunities to down the field. But, but Roger McCreary played really well, and I would guess it's going to be his task a lot of the time to uh, to have that matchup. Mark, what do you think? You know, before the end of the season's over with, I won't be surprised if the secondary is better than it was last year. Now, that sounds a little bit crazy because they're replacing four starters, four multiple-year multiple starters. But as far as just individual coverage, I like this group. And uh, – you know, even though they're not loaded with seniors, they've got a lot of guys who've played in big games and played a lot. And uh, I really like the combination of Jamie and Sherwood and Smoke Monday and Jordan Peters at safety. That's three guys that have proven themselves in, in big games. And uh, looks like they're, you know, we'll see if they play all these guys, but, you know, they've certainly got depth at cornerback. And those guys had a pretty good first game. And, uh, I just didn't see a whole lot of Kentucky receivers getting open on Saturday. One thing we've seen in recent years, and, and Georgia's done a, a really nice job of this. Remember, Isaac Nauta had the big game against Auburn a few years ago. They will throw to that tight end. And obviously, when you've got a, a, a quarterback that, um, that's kind of green, that's a, a great outlet for him. Here's a question, and I don't know if this would make any sense or not, or if I'm going down the wrong path or the right path, but – now that Auburn actually has to defend the tight end in practice, guys, does that help you in a game like this? I mean, you're, you're, does that make a defense a little bit more aware of it when you're having to defend it in practice more than you ever had? Or is that just something, a, me, a case of me overthinking things? Uh, it doesn't hurt, that's for sure. It doesn't hurt. And I think the big thing is, is that, you know, you, you look at it and go, Darnell Washington is probably the guy that yeah. would just so different. Well, Brandon Frazier's essentially the same size as Darnell Washington. So you get a guy that's similar – that's the thing. His size is overwhelming. We know he's the guy that Auburn recruited out of Las Vegas. He came through Auburn and made some visits. He's a big physical kid. Trey McKitty, you know, former – another player that Auburn recruited out of the Tampa area. is there as a grad transfer. But you're right. Having to be, worry about it and think about it on your own practice field every day probably doesn't hurt when you see some similar concepts coming at you. You definitely have to account for those guys. Uh, if Auburn has an edge here, Auburn defense, Georgia offense – where is it, Mark? You know, I think Auburn's front seven on defense is probably going to match up pretty well against Georgia's offensive front and uh, needs to happen if they're going to win this game. Jason, we've talked about how the secondary versus the Georgia receivers. Is that your pick or do you, do you have another area? Yeah, I'll go with the secondary, even though this is a, a, a group that, um, you know, have especially one positions relatively inexperienced with Jalen Simpson and Nehemiah Pritchett and those guys. The other guys have played a lot of football. Um, you also have a couple. You also have a bunch of guys from the state of Georgia who will be 
I think pretty fired up to play this game. Smoke Monday, being one of them, uh, one of those guys. But but Jalen Simpson's right there. You got a group of guys that I think will be fired up. Heck, Matthew Hill uh, could be a guy that that factors into this one as well. Another Georgia kid. But yeah, I, I like this Auburn secondary um, and and the way they're going to play. Um, you know, especially if you know, I think Stetson Bennett's a guy that's probably going to keep it underneath a little bit more. Uh, I think that's something that that Auburn matches up very well against. Yeah, you know, Mark mentioned the the front seven, but we haven't specifically talked that much about the the Auburn linebackers. Uh, what kind of role could they have in this game? Do you, do you think it's going to be a big role, or or what 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 do we what do we envision here? Obviously, the three of us think Georgia's going to try to run the ball, so it seems like uh, it would be on the uh, a priority for Auburn to play well at linebacker. But what y'all's take on this? You know, if Georgia does try to run the ball. You know, K.J. Britt's going to be a big factor in this game. He had 11 tackles last Saturday, which is the most he's ever had in a game. He's been in these type of big game contests. Then, talk, you know, Georgia, guys talking from the state of Georgia, you got Owen Popo, you know, he really wants to have a big game. And uh, I thought he probably played about as well as I've seen him play at Auburn last Saturday. And, you know, if Auburn needs a little extra – uh, push on getting after the quarterback in blitz situations, propose a guy to keep an eye on Saturday night. All right. Special teams, we, we rarely talk about that, and that's the host's fault usually. But, uh, look, Auburn's got uh, a veteran kicker in Anders Carlson. Georgia's got a new kicker. They lost Rodrigo Blankenship, who was outstanding for them for several years. It seemed like he was there about a dozen years. He reminded me of Carlos Huerta, the 13-year <laughs> career he had with the Miami Hurricanes. Uh, they've got an outstanding punter, Camarja. Uh, Auburn, we're still trying to figure out what kind of <laughs> – we know, we know Bo Nix may be the best pooch punter in the, in the history of the SEC based on his stats last week, but uh, both teams have gr- good return guys. So this, is this a game where we could see some impact plays on special teams, or do you think they'll neutralize each other, Jason? I, I think you look at it from a kicking, kicking standpoint, I think Anders Carlson could be really big in this game. Um, uh, you know, we've seen Georgia have some some big plays on special teams, um, you know, the last couple of years um, over there, I think. But I think you look at it, Anders Carlson, to me, is set up to continue to, to have a really good year. I think he's, he's set up for that. Christian Tutt, um, he's had some really outstanding punt returns. But you look at it, you know, Georgia's punter is one of the best. I think for Auburn, this consistency in the punt game. Just have to avoid one where you have a 15, 20-yard punt um, you know, whoever it is, whether, you know, the, the Oscar Chapman did a pretty good job last week in, in his first real test. And I think that's probably a situation that where the lack of crowd may help Auburn as much as anything with, with those guys and, and letting them just kind of settle in. It'll, it'll kind of feel like, um, you know, a normal, a normal activity for them. But uh, I, I, special teams always important. Avoid the big mistake in special teams. Is key. Mark? You know, two of the better plays in Auburn's first game were special teams. Number one, Jordan Peters making the tackle for a three-yard loss on the fake punt. And, uh, you know, before the play uh, was the balls even snapped, he was out there yelling, watch the fake, watch the fake, watch the fake. This guy, Peters, has just been a great ball hawk on special teams. Uh, two years ago before he got hurt, he, he had three block punts, which was – led the SEC and was number two nationally. And then early in the game, Auburn on a special teams play, uh, did the swinging gate and uh, Grant Loy, the holder, uh, threw a pass out in the flat to John Shamrill Shanker for two points. And uh, I mean, that was, uh, that ended up impacting how the game was played the rest of the day. 
All right, guys, I'm going to put the, put the screws to you here. Final predictions. We've made our predictions in print, but I want to get your, your prediction. Who's going to win Saturday and why? We'll start with you, Jason. Yeah, you know, I picked Auburn in a, in, a, in a close game and probably a lower scoring game than most. I think I said something like 23 to 20 or whatever. I think something you talked about earlier to me is, is the biggest thing. I think, I think the difference is Bo Nix having played in those big games. Um, I think having him in this game is an advantage for Auburn. And, and I, I believe this is a team that's, like I said, more set up for success against Georgia than, than the teams we've seen in the past couple of years. Obviously, 2017, that, that one game has kind of been, um, you know, kind of really an outlier other than 2013 for this offense. But I don't think it's going to be a high-scoring game. Uh, I think they find enough place to win on Saturday. And, but I think, I think a lower-scoring game than people might think. All right, Mark, what you got? I think the game's probably going to be both teams scoring 20-plus points. But, you know, Auburn's just not played well in Athens. And uh, I think there's something to be said for trends in rivalry series. And uh, I think Auburn's got a really good chance to win. But I'm not ex- you know, I wouldn't predict them to win. I think Georgia's going to win by three or four points. But, um, you know, if Bo Nix steps up and has a good game, and Georgia's quarterback play isn't a lot better than it was in game one. Auburn's got to have a great opportunity to, to uh, get this thing turned around in Athens. Yeah, I'm a little torn. I've gone back and forth, and I come back to two things. Bo Nick's experience, I think even if he throws a couple of picks, he's, he's, he's like a major league pitcher. He can give up a home run and then turn around and, and strike out the next six guys. So I like that veteran stability at the quarterback position. And also I think the fact that Auburn's defense – they're going to give up some yards. They always do. But inside the red zone, they, they limit the touchdown. So if you limit Georgia to field goals uh, more often than not, I think that's Auburn's best chance. I remember last year, Georgia only had 240, 230 yards right in that range. Had three drives. That was it. But they scored touchdowns on all three drives. And that was really the difference. If Auburn holds them to a field goal on one or two of those drives, like they typically do, it might have been a different story. So I've got Auburn in a close one, but one that could go either way. Guys, thank you very much. That was Mark Murphy and Jason Caldwell inside the Auburn Tigers. Again, I'm Keith Niebuhr. This is the Auburn Undercover and Inside the Auburn Tigers podcast. Everybody have a safe week. If you're going to the game, be careful out there on the roads. And if you're sitting at home, uh, try to relax and enjoy a good Saturday evening of watching the Deep South's oldest rivalry. It should be another great game in this memorable series. Take care, everybody.